I want women to become more autonomous. I want women to realise that they can um, take more control of their lives. I want women to realise that um, collective, collective creativity is possible. And welcome to Circuit Cast. Ko Thomas and Say Tokuingawa, and I'm your host today. I'm here in Ototahi with filmmaker Stephanie Beth and artist Emma Fitz. Tina Korua, Namahimahana for joining me today. Stephanie Beth is a pioneering feminist filmmaker. Her two documentaries, I Want to Be Joan from 1977 and Enjoy from 1980, which are often described as companion pieces unpack women's experiences as wives and mothers in Aotearoa and give voice to those issues facing women that were little discussed in mainstream discourse. Kia ora, Stephanie. Kia ora. (laughs) And Emma Fitz is an Ototahi-based artist who has an extensive history of exhibition and galleries across Aotearoa and overseas. Emma's work is frequently informed by the work of women who have slipped into the gaps of history And her interest in women's history is informed by bodies, emotions, clothes, craft, and other physical and emotional states that are often left out of formal historical accounts. She held the Olivia Spencer Bow Residency, has been an artist in residence at the Makan House in Titsurangi, and recently at the Headland Centre for Arts in Sausalito, California. Kia ora, Emma. Kia ora, Thomson. Just to begin with some questions for you, Stephanie, I wanted to kind of begin chronologically and talk a bit about I Want to Be Joan first. For our listeners who haven't seen the film, it was filmed at the United Women's Convention in 1977 and consists mainly of head and shoulder interviews with six Pākehā women who speak openly about their experience as wives and mothers and as people in our post-war Aotearoa. I wondered, Stephanie, if you could tell us a bit about the convention and the process of finding the interview subjects. My answer would be, and of course I'm not the authority in the sociology, particularly of conventions or actually of women's issues. I was invited in as one woman who was working as a student and therefore available with a camera. And if you looked up those conventions, you would see how significant they were as landmark uh, gatherings for women only Mm. and the first was held in Wellington in 75 so the idea was biannual and the next was held in 77 and the next was held in 79. In terms of your involvement at the 1977 event you were invited by the organisers to make the film prior to the convention is that right? That's right yeah yeah. I mean it was a gem of an assignment for a, a, a mere level three student at art school. I knew socially a couple of women, who, and one who was on the committee and another who was already delivering a paper, and I was, I was headhunted because I knew how to use the camera. 
and we had to work with 16mm to get through our degrees then. So it dovetailed enormously well and we had a CP camera which was a recent news camera that had been bought by the art school and that's an American camera that right. could run 400 foot rolls. So yeah, what was so tremendous was uh, yeah being tapped, shoulder tapped, would you do something? And mm. Stephanie, whatever you do, just do what you want, but would you do something? <laughs> so it was a completely <laughs> open invitation. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then to make it formal and to make it elegant, the president of the committee put $100 in a hat. I mean, this is metaphorical, and gave it to me and she said, you're commissioned. So right. I realised I actually not only would make it, but I had a job to do and I had to get it out. I, I really feel there's a bit of a con trick um, passed on to us here. We're not told of the frustrations that you're going to feel. The feeling of being really tied down, um, tied to the house with small children. Some days would go by when you saw no other adult until your husband came home and so you take all your frustrations out on him. The feelings of guilt if, if you did go out and things went wrong at home when you got back. And I think that the tremendous loss of confidence over those years when you are so restricted to that one role of wife and mother. And how did you find your interview subjects? Well, I was asked to say four months prior to the date okay. of the convention and that gave me enough run-up time. And... Um, I hadn't thought about women's issues. I mean, I think I had a great, well, I knew I had a great grandma who had voted suffrage mm -hmm. and then had gone my merry way in the Western world of going to Europe and hanging around America. And and the women's issue really came through American universities with books that were written, whether it be Germaine Greer in Australia mm -hmm. or Kate Millett in um, America. So I had essentially three months to read the liberal middle class and the educated post-Marxist left of England. So you had a very rapid... Uh, very rapidly. Boom, boom, boom. I ran, I started book groups. And it wasn't as though I was headhunted by innocent women. They were all driven. I mean, sure, they were all driven women way up to speed. I was simply just a dreaming type. <laughs> well, I think it's um, all the more extraordinary hearing you, this description, Stephanie, what you achieved then well, within that short time. Well, well, of course, I'd been travelling around the world for four years before I got that job. So, I mean, I was used to taking trains or flying or being in the Kabul shopping market or crossing India in a van and sleeping on the Caspian Sea or being at art galleries in New York or London. I mean, I was pretty... Yes, you had some pretty, life experience. Uh, up with the play, but simply not in making... F films about why women needed conventions of their own. Mm. I hadn't really thought that through. So I quickly did, because by the time I had the chance to start rolling the camera, it was after the plenary session asked all press to leave who were male. Right. And I had spent three weeks building a set at the education department at the Canterbury University. I had a friend who was a set designer who threw a lot of paint on, and I colour-coded four panels so that I could set a kind of a textural backdrop. And the talking heads were, of course, way beyond the clanging, boring aspect of relentless English-style documentaries where men talked and told us how to live. This was talking heads, a la having been educated by French theory mm. about why voice meant something politically. Mm. Yeah, so I got up to speed really fast, and it was very exciting, and I... I knew a journalist who helped collect some journalists for me. So I basically had 20 secret journalists that I placed into the, into the uh, conference. 
and used the set rather like a private space and had journalists bring people they thought would like to talk who never had spoken. Psychologically, I thought it was really important to go for the silent woman, the silent individual. No, I didn't know I was having a breakdown. I'd had my accident and I went to a doctor to get help with my eye, which was strange, and um, a bad neck, which was giving me a great deal of pain. And he told me that to go home and thank God I was still alive, and I just didn't feel I had anything to thank God for at that time. Emma, if I could bring you in a little bit here, I was just interested in your thoughts, and so I believe you watched I Want to Be Joan for the first time when I sent you the links, and I was just really interested in your your first response to it. Yeah, I hadn't seen Stephanie's films before, so I was really appreciative of the invitation to chat and see the works. You have these talking heads, but I felt very much placed in the room with the people rather than a not someone who was looking on at a situation. I felt like I was there in the room and having a true understanding of these situations, and that was helped along by the way that the documentary is punctuated also with these other scenes of still imagery, poetry, song, paintings, drawings. It just became a very full experience and was a real joy to watch and felt quite timeless in that sense as well. Like I feel like that's sort of 40-odd years ago now, but the way that it's constructed in that way of... It reminded me of a psychotherapy kind of situation that I think is really interesting way of looking at art and even how we understand aesthetics as well. I, I Thank you. I mean, it's wonderful to have feedback, especially to someone who hasn't seen it, and especially because it's 40 years later. <laughs> I love it. I just love it. We were the first generation of students at a fine art school who were studying moving image, so I really um, affirm that the, 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 the need to have colour, the need to have painting, the need to cr- cross-reference other art forms of women's voice would, would have a strengthening because it would become the metacritical position, you know, to have these... I mean, Jacqueline Fahey gave me work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Lynn Zolstra, who d- did painting, probably had never known anyone would do a panorama, mm-hmm. an actual panorama shot across her work. And then, of course, Robin White, who was more used probably... And Jacqueline, of course, yeah. to be to be exhibited. That really gave a full voice. Yes, was my feeling from that, and even the close-ups of of the woman and the and their bodies, like cropped on the chair, or yeah, I felt it was a very, very full voice. It wasn't just the audio. I really love the beginning of the film where you have the shots of the suburbs that are half built, and there's lots of sort of open fields. And where did you do those opening scenes? Well, remember you said. You've both said, you've both indicated that, that the film is still current and still quite topical. So actually, it could have been shot at any new housing development. Yeah, yeah totally. Right? That's what, and, and, to and the, yeah, hard to place and it wouldn't matter, would it? Mm-hmm. So anyway, then that happened to be a suburb of Rangiora, right. Canterbury, which would now probably be now enveloped with another layer of new suburbs. Yeah, it reminded me um, with Jacqueline Fahey, she, um, a lot of her early painting, I think from the 60s, was when she was living in Porirua, and that was at the time a very, very new suburb, whereby there had been very few community buildings or libraries or parks or kind of public spaces built, and a lot of her work is about the sort of isolation of women with kids 
in this new suburb and it really sort of struck me as quite similar to that those opening yeah. shots of the woman yeah. getting her baby ready and, and you can you can appreciate also that don't forget a film is made in post production so mm. so in terms of, in terms of the raw footage i wasn't sure uh, knowing exactly how of course how i'd start it or end it or in fact what my main theme was Sure. I had to I had to interview people on a trust that a theme would emerge out of the predominance of the th- of the themes, or especially how I could interweave a topic. Oh yes, I, well when she was crying, I picked her up and threw her into the cot. I mean, you know, I just literally threw her into the cot, and I'd be horrified now. But I, yes, I did. I would refer to her as baby bashing because I feel that if I was a baby, I would have felt bashed. Yeah. Now. I'm curious as to how you you got the woman to speak so objectively about their experiences and so articulately. Did you spend a lot of time with... I'm gathering that there was a larger group of women that you then you chose particular people to be in the end film, but... Yeah, that, it's a good question. How, it's, it's you, a good how question. did you get that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the whole question of how do you have, A, faith in the process... Mm. And especially, imagine faith in knowing you you agree to go public. Yeah. And then thirdly, how to be on camera and not be self-conscious. So many developmental, incremental steps. So you heard me say I built a set at the education department, which is great. Just calm, carpet, flats flats around a couple of chairs. Mm -hmm. But what I also built were a couple of booths for privacy, rather like this with just microphone. So I had professional radio journalists who were very calming, reassuring, articulate, supportive. When I sent the 20 women out into the uh, workshops and asked them to sit in, because everything was in a circle then, remember circles became fashionable, (laughs) Um, and to look around for the people who weren't talking and then say, and then basically approach them, would you be prepared to come and share with us some of the things you're thinking about what's going on today or what's going on in this workshop and why you chose it. And we're a film crew and we have a set over here and if you would come, you can talk to someone who will just audio tape and listen and then we're interviewing quite a lot and um, see how you feel and then the next, like, next day we'll give you a call, see how you feel. And we, we'll schedule a film interview if you'd like to go to the next step, because actually we're, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. See what I mean? So, that, so they were given that incremental step mm. of building their confidence and assuredness. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So it was, sound. Which, which you all know, I mean, when you mention enjoy, of course, of course that flowed onto that. Mm. Of course. By the time it flowed to that, we had to have them all getting in front of the camera and having a go with it and debriefing and then having another go with it and then having a cup of tea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just to quickly stick with my want to be Joan, I'm really curious, we already talked a little bit about this, Stephanie, but my understanding is that so I want to be Joan was you actually kind of took it on a kind of tour throughout New Zealand screening in halls and and you had sort of discussions afterwards like at, at these events is that correct was it, it called the thundering through new zealand tour yes yes that, <laughs> yes. Was, that was an a4 poster white font <laughs> so on good. ochre background right <laughs> yeah uh but you know what's also amazing is of course by this time you're ecstatically thrilled that you have something mm. and by this time you know it's a gift like it you're you're just dribbling with excitement really you can get it out and my timing was um, well supported by veins of other 
socialist activity, social activity, and political activity at the time. Sure. Just to remind you, though, the thing that was so astonishing about cutting that film was I Want to Be Joan and getting the title. I mean, it came from a woman who had psychiatric help, Mm. and it comes out in the film. Her story is uh, very affecting. Very affecting. So when I went on Thundering Through New Zealand, there were a lot of women's groups who were still affiliated through the convention. There was a first group getting into publication with Broadsheet magazine. There were people who had started creating um, candidates for the, what was called then the Values Party, the Green Party. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so over 18 months I had 100 screenings. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So I gave 18 months of of my time of having some time home, a holiday with my partner sometimes, but basically being home and realising, wow, like it's happening. Yes, yeah. And this is the only way to do it. And 16mm film, I had been a primary school teacher, that's when I f- first went working in London and Rotorua actually, when I was 20. I was totally comfortable with the 16mm projector. I mean, that's what the vehicle was for media back then. And every library had one, every school had one, every hall had one, medical centre had one. So you you simply had to just go, oh, hey, can we borrow the projector? Or would you set up a room, please, uh, and we'll come through then, then, now, tomorrow. Would you pick me up, please? I'll be on the bus. (laughs) (laughs) So where where did you see the discussion groups that you'd have after each viewing? What, did you see that as part of the project? So we're looking at the idea of women not being heard, of experiencing some violence, of experiencing being cut out of professions, of experiencing low thresholds of self-confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So w- the designation of the screening was that it would always follow an open discussion group and only for women. I persisted with the thought that if, if I've done this at a convention, men cannot also talk at the screenings. They could be present. That could be but present. They, but they listen. couldn't speak. But yeah. yeah. Because actually to hear how women spoke, I mean, even in syntax, even in diction, even in um, awkwardness, even in fury, you know, there were huge emotional ranges that came through in the mm-hmm. diction. And also, women who felt scared to go home after the screening had to also be catered for. Yes. So every host who had me had their own, you know, because everyone who hosted me were all the wonderful practical women who have always existed in the world, who n- never thought of doing art, making films or travelling or shouting about anything, but just got on with it. Mm. They're our aunties and our grandmas and our new friends who were practical intellectually and rationally. Yeah, pretty pretty amazing. I wondered if we might just pivot a little bit to enjoy to talk about now. So some people have described this as kind of a companion piece to I Want to Be Joan. Um, And this film is structured quite differently and follows a workshop given by performance teacher Maggie Eyre. Yeah, Yeah. Maggie Eyre. So Stephanie, you wrote in your really great essay for Circuit um, that... Quote, enjoy was a shift from talking heads to a study of movement, mime, play and performance with kinesthesis, laughter and sliding tears as outcomes of learning. So enjoy shows women dressing up, they're doing theatre sports, they're playing music naked in the bush and they're generally kind of shaking off their physical kind of inhibitions. And I wondered, Stephanie, if you might talk just a little bit about 
how you came to enjoy After I Want to Be Joan and how you came to work with Maggie Eyre specifically, what your relationship was with her. Yes, it's, it's vital that you ask it and I, I really like also that you're quoting me at the start because <laughs> I'm the one who said in writing it was a companion piece because it took me a long time to, to point out that that's the best way to talk about the two, especially okay. because they came from such early times. And it ties up entirely with how we've been talking because it's a companion piece. Actually, after I made the film and toured, and then, of course, I was thinking, what will my next film be? I realised that the agonies of sort of malcontent or the great luxurious word unhappiness, <laughs> dare we even mention it, was coming out to the degree that I thought, right, I've got to go and find out more about the, f- the social fabric that structurally creates bedlam. Mm. And, of course, I'm speaking still even in 1978, 1980, of being innocent of violence up front. But I decided what I must do is I went and worked as a volunteer at two women's refuges where women could quickly be snapped into a property with a bit of luggage and bedding and, and usually a child or two. I mean, it's pathetic to talk how much we think that cups of tea will help us. I mean... It's not enough. Yes. No, yeah. <laughs> so I thought, wow, my responsibility is to keep taking this subject further. I must. At the convention, Maggie Eyre did a mime performance, and it was called Minstrel Mime. And I, I remember there were five or six of them all dressed in this deep burgundy stretch outfit each, right. <laughs> doing wonderful um, gesturally, um, fairly amateur um, performances. And it was great. So suddenly the whole idea of menstruation was a big topic. Yes. So I got in touch with her after I'd been at the refuge and getting very toey and said, Maggie, can I come and talk to you? Because I think actually what you're doing as a healing process is lovely. And so I went up to Auckland and she was working in Parnell at a community house and she was running groups mostly for children of all ages, adults too. Mm-hmm. So I said to her, can we, can we write some developmental uh, workshop activities in the areas that you've discussed and invite people to be in the film? And what the film will do is provide safety, care, comfort and privacy. Mm-hmm. Structurally, you have to, when you use media, even privately, the key about going deeper is that you have to always be offering trust and responsibility. And so um, I had to make sure that the workshop offered was developmental for them, but that the film could show representations of the developmental process, but only to the tune of under 40%. So we would have closed doors for the workshop and then open doors for some filming. The act is about to begin. Must be perfection. Maggie Eyre runs workshops in movement, fantasy, play and performance, particularly with women. The world is mesmerised by your walk. And starting to speed it up. And adrenaline and it's Starting to get faster.
Emma, can I bring you in again a little bit here? Because um, watching Enjoy, I sort of felt like there was quite a correlation between Stephanie's work and yours, particularly in relation to this kind of bodily experience of, of women and the kind of gendered expectations that are placed on women's bodies. Because I feel like Enjoy is a lot about reclaiming agency and space in that way. And I found when I was doing some reading about your work, Emma, this really beautiful quote, actually, which I believe was written by Victoria Wynne-Jones on Melanie Roger Gallery's website, where she said, quote, Each abstraction hangs as an ensign for waylaid histories with the slight materiality of blousons, which I think is like a type of blouse, which is a word that I was learning, wall hangings or scenic backdrops. Door, window, portal, pillar, curtain or hook, each is evidence of gentle gatherings or acts of bringing together diverse materials that then diagram prior or past presences and peoples, which is a lovely Mm. piece of writing. And I felt in relation to enjoy that there was some correlation between bodies and clothes and things that retain memory, but maybe aren't kind of part of formal histories. Again, I guess just what were your thoughts watching Enjoy? Maybe that's my question, Emma, rather than asking you to do some other analysis of your own work. (laughs) Yeah, my thoughts on Enjoy, I loved it. It made me want to to be a filmmaker. (laughs) And I felt like you're right, there's lots of crossovers and elements of my own work and interests and body and clothing and movement and psychoanalysis, community, language, voice and discourse that I felt that Stephanie was able to show all at once and I feel like with my projects I'm often trying to there's a lot of hidden research and I'm always trying to bring more and more things up to the fore but it's difficult to show everything and I felt like in your film it was so enjoyable for me because everything was there at once I guess that's one of the great things of of moving image as well that you have all of those senses at once and especially with film too you have the tactility of it so you've got this amazing aesthetic element to it also I enjoyed the costuming the color the leotards the tights that dress-ups was one of the what do you call them movements or tasks or I don't know like that was one of the activities and companionship as well that 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 they were also asked to choose somebody that you don't know. It was quite just all these elements of what we're facing when we're existing in the world, these things that are close to us, literally our clothing or the people we're trying to communicate with, those things that are not so tangible, like you made tangible in the film. Do you fill me in? I mean, do you think there are a lot of people really loving psychodrama and a lot of people engaged because that's 1980, you see. I mean, the, wor- the world shut down again. We don't, we don't have constant waves of blossoming in our culture. No. There, are, there are events that go on, then the wave fades and people go silent again. We have to keep remembering that. Well, I'm interested in it. I don't think it's that popular yet, but I definitely feel like that there's space for it now and that's a, yeah. that it's really necessary. To me, it makes total sense as we're kind of at this point with our history that we're unsatisfied with the linear patriarchal history that we've been given. So there's like this, yes. we're wanting another way of viewing that. So I feel like, yeah, psychodrama or psychoanalysis as a way of not only understanding ourselves, but also how we understand artworks and history, yes. visual culture. Yes. That's where I think it could be really useful. Yes, I I like hearing what you say. And also I like 
how it's so actually pivotal that we are talking again. We are talking about uh, knowing that actually there's some resources underused and, mm-hmm. we're, and we're talking about how affirming it is to support people who are helping people have these experiences these ways because it's, it's very developmentally helpful. Yeah, and yeah. I think seeing your two films... I want to be Joan and then enjoy as companion pieces. It just makes that really, really strong as well. Mm. You can see that Mm. as a a useful and vital tool for these women who have been through trauma, who have been misled in their lives or Mm. are in these horrific situations. And it's serious. Well, I I also want to point out uh, also, it's not the facetiousness, but I want to talk about Mm. how flippancy or, or light heartedness is still also a feature mm-hmm. it's not as though suddenly I was ever making a film about the mental health of psychodramatic needy patients like I said to you I yeah. Maggie and I stacked it so we're, we're really part of the popular culture of the time mm-hmm. knowing that we can take a punt mm-hmm. with the, the high energy of women who are prepared to give something back to the public at this point to give on something to the public I mean someone comes in from the Coromandel someone comes in from as I say another job in town and is prepared to do the workshop so that, that was their generosity. And I don't know if I ever asked any of them who came in to enjoy whether they'd actually ever been to a women's convention either. But I could mm. make a pretty firm 80% assumption that probably some of them had. If you look at the really, the Doubting Thomases and the Restless ones, there'll be a spectrum even in the people I invited into the film. I mean, I know that one person I put in the film. I remember from having had the experience of being locked in a bathroom with her and a friend of hers and her partner, recently released from prison, was banging on the door trying to get in. I know how scary life Mm. can be. Mm. I know also about people with addiction to alcohol. Um, I know more from having been exposed. Mm. But I also know the joy of music. So we'd be down listening to music by night and going off shooting. Yeah, it's quite amazing you got the participants to be so... Oh well, um, well, it's all it's all credit to Maggie Ear's reputation. She would yeah. she would have been teaching up in Auckland for three or four years before this, and mm. the net, and networking happened. I mean, networking mm. pre the internet was the networking that you know. I mean, networking is quick and fast and peer group supportive. Yeah. Did you have discussion group after the screening of Enjoy? Uh, as uh, well? Four times, and only one, only one later, because by this time my work had been been seen as useful for sociology departments. Mm-hmm. So going back to the four times, A, there was no way I was going to thunder around town or country with that film. Yeah. No way. Uh, so I gave it to the Film Commission. And then B, I thought, so I only showed it four times in New Zealand. But that's how much of a non-screener it was. I mean, this country wasn't interested in topics like this Yeah. in 1981. So I was, I mean, I was horrendously probably ridiculously overconfident all the time I was on the road with I want to be Joan and I think when it came to enjoy I was just um, overwhelmed with the beauty of what I could do so they were all they were very high high energy times yeah another quick question about distribution Stephanie so Mark uh, we unfortunately didn't check the mail before I left Wellington but he said you had sent him a photograph uh, publicity still for enjoy which was at Cannes? Yes, the uh, New Zealand Film Commission took it to what was called the short film, uh, not the promenade, but some hunky little the back room or tent somewhere at the back of Cannes. Right. <laughs> so, so you know how we've been talking about s- trust, sensuality? Mm. 
enjoyment. I picked that photo because I thought it was a pivotal photo of how enjoyable the Maggie Ear Workshop was. Right. (laughs) And I know that Maggie knew that woman, but look at her just lying back. If we're talking about paintings of, you know, Artemisia or something, you know, getting her servant to cut someone's throat, it's the opposite of that, isn't it? You know, don't go off and cut David's throat because he's trying to assuage my city. (laughs) Come to a psychodrama workshop and trust how joyous life is. (laughs) Yeah, that's so great. (laughs) Thank you both so much. What a wonderful conversation this has been. Um, Thank you for joining me today. And um, thank you for having us also in your home, Stephanie. It's wonderful and generous of you. I'll very quickly wrap up by saying namahi also to our listeners. Thank you very much for tuning into CircuitCast. Look out for the next episode as well, which will be coming to you somewhere in the digital ether. And um, yeah, that's all. Kia ora. Kia ora.